Thank you, worship team. Wow. I don't know if anybody else just needed to be in the presence of God this morning, but there's no greater place to be than just in His presence. You know, that's one thing that I, I, I sometimes feel like I, I neglect. You know, <laughs> Moses, when he was, you know, told like, just to press on, he's like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going into the promised land. I'm not going anywhere if your presence isn't there. And there's something so amazing that happens when we just rest in the presence of God. And I just thank you so much for taking the time, worship team, to get us to rest in his presence this morning. Um, you know, I, I can't help but start after that with a, a word of testimony. We have so many great things that are happening in our midst. We've got so many testimonies. Greg had another surgery this week, and he's walking better than I have seen him walk in months. So, yay, God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm looking out, and I see Tommy sitting with us after he's been fighting for his health, and we just, we're just declaring, we thank God for what is happening. And Tommy, we thank you for the finished work that Jesus has, has, has won the battle, and we just believe that for you, Tommy. Yes, Lord. You know, God is on the move. There's so much happening. Um, we had the opportunity to, to pray um, with Diana last week. Diane, Diane, sorry. Um, and uh, she had been diagnosed with breast cancer. And well, we got a report back this week that there's no cancer. It's, it's as if you pray for something that God is listening <laughs> that he will do whatever we ask in faith. And I believe that still, just as Felicia's talking about. I may not understand his ways, but I do not deny his power. The ability of God to heal anything is always the reality. So this morning, you know, I, I get the opportunity to, to share some of the things that have been on my heart. Uh, John and Ashley are taking a much-needed time of refreshing and rest. Thank you, John and Ashley. I'm sure you're, you're enjoying yourself, but when you do watch this, we love you, we miss you. Um, it's a great privilege to be able to share my heart with you guys this morning. I, I feel like that there's something that the Lord has given me just to deposit in you this morning, and I pray that it helps everyone in here um, throughout the coming season because I think it's, it's relevant to what we're going through as a, a body and as a nation. Um, the message is this morning I've entitled, Running to Win. You know, um, when, when, when we run in this race of life, you know, I don't think any of us get up and go, I can't wait to run and lose. <laughs> I hope I'm last place. <laughs> That's just not who we are. That's not who God has created us to be. But here's the truth, that running to win takes some intentionality. If we're going to truly live a victorious life, there are some kingdom principles that have to be applied to our life that actually get us prepared to win. Amen? Like, there's some things that Jesus asks of us 
that if we don't do, we don't get the things that Jesus says that we will get. And so I have three principles, three kingdom principles I want to share that I, I believe are vital to living a victorious life in Christ. The first one is going to be in Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 31. And I'm going to be reading out of the Passion, so it might be a little different from anything that they put up on the screen because I don't think we have the Passion in there. But Luke chapter 14, verse 25, it starts by saying, As massive crowds followed Jesus, he turned to them and said, When you follow me as my disciple, you must put aside your father, your mother, your wife, your sisters, your brothers. It will even seem as if you hate your own life. This is the price that you will pay to be considered one of my followers. Anyone who comes to me must be willing to share my cross and experience it as his own, or he cannot be considered my disciple. So don't follow me without considering what it will cost you. For who would construct a house before first sitting down to estimate the cost of completing it? Otherwise, he would lay the foundation and not be able to finish it. The neighbors would ridicule him, saying, Look, he started to build but could not complete it. Have you ever heard of a commander who goes to war without first sitting down with strategic planning to determine the strength of his army to win the war against a stronger opponent? If he knows that he doesn't stand a chance of winning the war, a wise commander will send out delegates to ask for terms of peace. Likewise, Unless you surrender all to me, give up all of your possessions, you cannot be one of my disciples. Wow, this is one of those scripture verses that we all go, (coughs) that one's hard to swallow, Lord. (laughs) I want to first recognize that when Jesus is talking about putting aside our father and our mothers, our sisters and brothers, he's not talking about shutting our love off to them. Jesus gave us two commandments. The first, to love God. The second, to love our neighbors as ourselves. He's not violating his very law in this. What he's saying is, though, you better check your heart and make sure that he's first. If Jesus isn't first, if he doesn't come before our fathers, our mothers, our husband, our wife, our children, if he is not number one, we cannot be his disciples. We might be running, but we're not running his race. And we won't finish where we're supposed to finish. The first kingdom principle out of this is that whatever God is calling us to do, We always have to count the cost. Listen, a failure to plan is a plan to fail. Failure to plan is always a plan to fail. If we don't learn to plan with God, if we don't learn to count the cost of what God is calling us into, it will always end up in failure. 
Now, I hope that y'all are receiving this not just on a spiritual, you know, level, but you're realizing this is applicable in everyday life because everything is spiritual. The small stuff and the big stuff, it's all God's. Whether you're starting a project, if I want to build a shed in my backyard, which I'm going to hopefully do soon, I better count the cost before I start the project. Because then I'm going to have a mad wife that's saying, when is this thing going to get finished? Because I'm tired of looking at a half-built shed out here. (laughs) Whatever we're doing, we should count the cost. We should plan it out. And we shouldn't plan to fail. We should plan to complete it. We should plan to finish it. We should plan to win the race. There's too many times in my own life where I have simply failed to plan. And then I end up failing. And I go, God, why did I fail? I didn't make a plan. God wants us to count the cost. The second principle I want to talk about this morning is to win in life, you have to catch God's vision. Uh, Felicia, I don't know how you knew to say what you're saying, but it just it matches what God has put on my heart so much. See, there's my vision. There's David's vision, and there's God's vision. And I don't know about, I can't speak for your own life, but oftentimes, one's not always with the other, to be honest. God's saying, hey, take that dark alley that no one wants to walk down. And I go, man, this one's lit up, God. I, I, I there's, there's nice street lights. If people look friendly here, I, this is where I want to walk. No. You see that dark alley down there? That's where you're going to walk. And I go, Lord, my vision looks a lot better than yours at the moment. But God wants us to catch his vision. So how do we do that? Well, I believe in, in Scripture, he shows us exactly how we catch his vision. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. First, you have to know kind of chapter 1. Habakkuk is pleading with God because the Babylonians are about to destroy them. They're about to just take them out. And there's nothing that he can see that's going to stop it except for going, God, what is your plan? What are you going to do about this situation? Because we are doomed. We are destined for destruction. Does anyone ever feel like that lately? So maybe you turned on CNN or one of the ABC channels and you just feel this overwhelming thing like, God, what is the plan? <laughs> because it feels like we are just doomed sometimes. But here's, here's what Habakkuk does. He cries out to God and he asks, what is your plan? In chapter 2, verses 1, I will take my place at the watchtower 
I will stand at my post and watch. I will watch and see what he says to me. I need to think about how I should respond to him when he gets back to me with his answer. This is God to Habakkuk. Write down this vision. Write it clearly on tablets so that anyone who reads it may run. For the vision points ahead to a time that I have appointed. It testifies regarding the end and it will not lie. Even if there is a delay, wait for it. It's coming. It's coming on my time. Some things that we need to do to learn to catch God's vision is, number one, we have to ask for God's vision. Jesus says you have not because you ask not. Throughout the Gospels, he says, ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, and knock. Are you asking for his vision? Are you asking for his direction? Is there something in your life that you're like, man, I want to run, but man, I can barely walk at the moment. You need God's vision. You need God's answer. But if you don't ask, you won't get it. Second part to catching God's vision is We have to watch for it. Habakkuk says, I will take my place in the watchtower. I will stand my post and I will watch. Man, we have to be watchful. You know, sometimes I remember back to my time in the military and that's what I was. I was a watchman. I spent 12 to 16 hours a day watching over nuclear weapons. That was my job. That's all I did. And let me tell you something. It's not glamorous, and it wasn't fun. It was a lot of standing with about 40 pounds of gear on me going, God, I can't wait till the shift is over. (laughs) And sometimes it feels like that with God. But let me tell you something, it doesn't change the fact that someone had to watch. Thank God men and women are watching over those weapons. Thank God that we're willing to watch for the breakthrough that God has for our lives. I'm not saying it's not hard, and I'm not saying it doesn't even suck sometimes, because it does. It doesn't change the fact that we got to watch. We need to watch. The third thing about catching God's vision is when he talks, write it down. Write it down. We are the most forgetful people in the world. When God gives you the word, write it down. Don't forget it. Don't take it lightly. Here's the good news. Anytime God speaks to you, it's not just for you. (laughs) Write it on tablets so that anyone, everyone say anyone, anyone who reads it 
will be able to run. See, when God gives you a vision, He wants you to write it down so that those who are watching your life can read it. And they can run with you. Of course, the next thing after we write it is we got to be willing to run. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I hate running. <laughs> I have never enjoyed a run a day in my life. I remember being around people who enjoyed running, and I did not like them. I did not understand them. I didn't want to be around them. You know? They're singing songs and happy, and I'm thinking, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. But running is a choice that we all have to make. And we can all do it because He's empowered us to do it. See, when I was running in the physical, it's weird because I'm not a natural runner. I don't like to run. But I discovered something about my spirit man that I had never discovered in any other realm except for in running. Because there's a point where your physical body goes, you're about to die. If you keep going, you're dying. You're going to pass out and die. But there's this weird thing that happened in those moments. It's like my spirit came alive and said, you're not going to die. You're going to keep running. And before I know it, at that two-mile mark where I thought I was going to die, I'm at the five-mile mark going, man, I'm, actually, I'm, I'm not feeling as bad as I was then because my spirit man came alive. We have to know that our spirit man will carry us through, but we have to be willing to run. We have to be willing to go to that place where we don't want to go. It's not comfortable and it's not fun. I find it funny in this that it says, run, and then it says, wait. Run comes before wait? This is that kingdom logic that's always upside down that none of us really ever fully understand because the kingdom is so opposite to what the natural is. But here's what I, I believe God is saying is, listen, when God says to wait, it's not telling us to be an inactive. Waiting in the kingdom is not inactivity. It's not saying, well, I'm just going to take up a nice chair and my lazy boy. and God, you do what you got to do. We'll get there. God requires us to run and in the running we wait while running we're waiting see at that two mile mark I'm waiting God I need you man I'm about to go I've got nothing left to give and then boom God shows up and one word from God changes everything 
Don't grow weary. Don't give up. Wait in the running. Wait in the running. Don't start moving. Don't get lulled to sleep. Don't become apathetic. Run, run, run. The last principle that I want to share this morning is that God wants us to finish strong. How many people remember, like, I think it was was Michael Johnson was the fastest runner for forever. Like, I mean, the guy was just amazing. When that guy ran, it was like the world stopped. He was just amazing to watch. I always remember, like, his time when he finished. I always remember how hard he was going. He was breaking record after record after record. But you know what? I never remember how the man started. Couldn't tell you if he tripped. Couldn't tell you whatever. But I always remember how the man finished. Some of us, let's be honest, we've had some rough starts. Maybe it's just me. I've had a lot of rough starts. A lot of different things in my life. But I'm telling you, God is not nearly as concerned about our start as our finish. God wants us to finish strong. In order to to see someone finish strong, I want us to take a look at what it looks like for someone who didn't finish strong. In 2 Chronicles chapter 14, we're going to see that a king, King Asa, came, comes on the picture. His dad was a wicked, wicked man, disobedient to God. His heart was to worship idols and to do everything that he could to do, pretty much take the people of Israel away from God. But here comes his son. In verse 2, it says, Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, his God. He removed the altars of the foreign gods in the high places, and he broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their father, to observe the law and the commandments. He comes on and he starts this amazing start. Amazing. And Israel goes from times of peace to times of victory. Peace and victory, peace and victory, and peace and victory. And it goes on like that. For 35 years of his rule, they're living in peace. And if there's a battle, it's a quick victory. God's just wiping the floor with his enemies. Boom. Because he's honoring the Lord. He's living his life. Seeking God's face. But I wish that was how the story ended. Because it doesn't end like that. 
in chapter 16, starting at verse 7, it says, And at that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. When the Ethiopians and Lubim, not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen, yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hands. For the eyes of the Lord will run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And I love this verse. Listen, if you need a life verse, this is a great one. God is just looking for someone to show his strength. But he needs a loyal heart. In this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you will have many wars. Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in prison, for he was enraged at him because of this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at that time. Note that the acts of Asa... First and last are indeed written in the books of the kings of Judah and Israel. And in the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet, and his malady was severe. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but he, he sook after physicians. So Asa rested with his fathers. He died in the 41st year of his reign. They buried him in his own tomb. See, in year 36, he made a deal with Syria without any thought of the Lord. And from that day on until he died in his 41st year of reign, he had nothing but failure after failure after failure. Listen, we can either learn from King Asa or we can repeat him. Because we all are running a race. And if we don't run it to the very end, we all stand the chance of ending up like King Asa. None of us are immune. On the flip side of that, though we need to consider the sorrow of finishing poorly, there's also the joy of finishing well. 2 Timothy chapter 4 Verses 6 through 8 says, And now the time is fast approaching for my release from this life. I am ready to be offered as a sacrifice. I have fought an excellent fight. I have finished my full course with all my might, and I've kept my heart full of faith. There is a crown of righteousness waiting for me in heaven, and I know that my Lord will reward me on his day of righteous judgment. And his crown is not only waiting for me, but for all those who love and long for his unveiling. But Christ, for the joy set before him, suffered. Listen, there is such a great thing set before us. We are running for a great prize. For a great hope of eternal eternity with Jesus. All the pain is worth it. All the sacrifice will be worth it. All the, all the running 
we'll be worth it. (laughs) See, a strong finish requires disciplined training and planning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, it says, Don't you realize that in a race, everybody runs, but only one person gets a prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what, I, what it should do. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might myself be disqualified. Listen, we have to train to win. What does training look like in the kingdom? Listen, Paul wrote that, you know, physical training profiteth a little. He says, yeah, there's some good things to training this body. There's there's some good things, but just a little. It's not nearly as important as what we're training our mind and our spirit with. This right here is the Jesus gym. If you want to train to win, this is where it's done. You do not get to the finish line without this. You can't bypass this. Listen, guys, we've got a whole generation who have probably never even read this book. They don't even know the red letters. And I'm talking about people who come to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Listen, we cannot get where we need to be without this. We need the Word of God. It is the very thing that will transform us into the athlete we need to be to finish strong. Don't neglect your training. Don't neglect your training. God wants us to run today as if it's our last. James 4, 13-15 says, Come now. You who say today or tomorrow we will go and do such thing in such a city, spend a year there and buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you don't know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. Sometimes we're so busy making plans for the next year and the next week and the next whatever that we forget, like, we're not promised any of that. We're not promised this afternoon. But here's what we are promised. We are promised a a crown 
if we will run every single moment we have to win for Him. If we will focus on Him. Jesus is the prize set before us. He is the way. He's the truth and He's the life. He's the door. He's the only reason we run. I don't run because I like to run. I run because I love Jesus. And I can't live my life without Him. And I don't want to live my life without Him. And I don't want any of you to live your life without Him because you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on winning if you do. He's the only way we win. Our best effort won't get us there. Only Jesus does. I want to encourage you, listen, a strong finish will always make up for a weak start. Listen, that's the biggest lie the enemy does. You failed, you did this, you did that, you, your start was just crummy. You'll never be what God has called you to be. You'll never obtain that thing that was in that vision you wrote down because you started horribly. But let me tell you something. God wants you to finish strong. Today is a new day. His mercy is new right now. His grace is sufficient today. Whatever it is that's keeping you from running all out for Jesus, listen, today's the day. Put it down and grab a hold of Jesus. Because the good news is, is he's always running with you. You know, for me, running by myself was never going to happen. But if I got with a couple of people, I could, I, could, I could run distances that I never thought I could run. This is why we need to run with Jesus. And we also need to run with one another. Why do we come? Why do we assembly? Why do we gather? We need to run together. I need to know what God has given you that you have written down because it's going to help me to run. I don't know, I don't know how much time we have. I just know that I want to run the best race I can for Jesus today. And I want you to run the best race you can run. And I want you to know, just like Timothy said, I want you to be able to say, I've finished my course with all of my might. I've kept my heart full of faith. And I know that there's a crown of righteousness awaiting me. I want every person in here to be able to say that honestly to the Lord. That's my heart this morning. That's what I feel like the Lord has given me to share with you this morning. Don't give up. Don't grow weary in the well-doing. Don't allow life to tell you who you are. You are who He says you are. You have what He says you have. You can do what He says you can do. And the only way you know it
is by getting trained up. You can do this. We can do this. There's no lone rangers in the, in the kingdom of heaven. We don't get there all by, our, all by ourselves. We're a part of a body. We're a part of the body of Christ. I don't know if anyone's in here who just say, listen, I'm just tired. I've been running a long time. And I'm just tired. I just want to tell you that God knows and He sees. And His promise, just like He promised Habakkuk, it's coming. It's coming. His promise is truth. It is coming. Don't give up on the promise. Don't allow the enemy to steal that from you. Run. 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 Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for this word. I pray, Lord, that these principles, Lord, would be applied to each and every one of our lives, God. That we would run this race, Father, to win. Lord, I pray, Father, for strengthening to every person here. Every person that hears Here's this message, whether it be here or online, God. I pray, Father, that you would bring courage to them, that you would bring strength to them, that they would know, Father, that you have equipped them for every good work, that you are with them, that you are for them. And, Lord, because of that, nothing can stand against them. And, Father, I just pray a blessing of hope over every heart, that, Father, as we run, even though we're tired, God, that we recognize that we run for the hope set before us. (laughs) We run for you, Jesus. You're enough. You're all we seek, God. You're more important than our family. You're more important than our occupation. You're more important than anything that I own or have, God. I surrender it all to you, Lord. And I pray, God, that we would see your kingdom firmly established in our hearts, in our lives, in our city, and in our nation. In your name, Jesus, we ask. Amen. Love you guys. If, you, if you're coming tonight, make sure you get with Felicia about um, food and all that stuff. So um, we're going to have our leaders come up. If you need prayer... If you just need some somebody to agree with you about something, please come up, pray with us, and uh, we love you. If, if you don't know Jesus, don't leave here without him. You can't run and win without him. Love you guys.